Hello, and welcome to the Organize for Success podcast, the show where we provide organizing tips and solutions so you can get organized, simplify your life, and create more time so you can do the things you love to do. I am your host, Kathy McEwen, and myself and my team help those with clutter clear their clutter, get organized, and pack and unpack. We help organize homes and offices and also help organize moves. So you ready? Let's get organized. Hello and welcome to the Organize for Success podcast. I'm your host, Kathy McEwen. I thought I would change things up a bit for this episode. It's an Ask Kathy Anything episode and I will answer. My goal is to help you as much as possible get organized. So some of these questions may be questions that you would love to have the answers to as well. The questions asked came from our community members of our free face script. Uh, group organized for success and our clients and also those who attended a recent presentation that I held on 10 top organizing tips that you can start doing today. So let's dive right in. Okay, so number one is asked, a question asked by Leah. Leah says, I have numerous boxes and bags of paper. I have a small shredder and I'm always overwhelmed by what to shred and what not to. Taking it somewhere to shred is a good option, but not in my budget. Suggestions? So basically, you should shred anything that has an account number, birth dates, SIN number, passwords, and legal documents. This includes credit card bills, bank statements and old checks, copies of your resume, outdated insurance policies, previous mortgage uh, documentation, and um, if you have a lot of documents to shred, then you can call a shredding company to come and pick them up. If a cost is a factor for you, then check your local area shredding companies and see if they have any community days that you can just drop off and they ask for a donation. So basically what happens in Ottawa where I live is that there's a company that's called Shredit and they have community days and it's on every second Saturday of the month where you can bring up to five bankers boxes of shredding and they only ask for a donation to the Cancer Foundation. And also what's good about it is that they, only shred, they actually shred right in front of you. So that's one option. If your area doesn't have a community shredded day, then take 20 minutes a day and use your shredder and shred away. If you take 20 minutes a day, that adds up to over two hours a week and you can get a lot of shredding done in two hours. Once you have all your shredding caught up, then don't get into the habit of letting it piled up again. Like schedule time in your calendar to do some shredding. Okay, so that was number one from Leah, and Lisa's asked that second question, and her question is, what is the best way to organize clothes? Pants together, tops together, skirts together, or matching pants and tops together, everything by color, etc. Okay, so whenever I talk about organizing, I always say it depends on what kind of system you want set up. Not everyone has the same type of system and not everyone wants the same type of system. But I can suggest how I do my own and how most of my clients like how we do it. So that's what I'll do for this question here. So let's talk about putting matching items together. That is actually a really good idea if you only use those items together. So if so, then hang that top and matching pants and jacket together so it is quick and easy for you. If you don't always wear those items together, then I wouldn't keep them together. Instead, I would suggest hanging like items together. So basically, you're categorizing each category. So let's start with 
sleeveless blouses. And then after that, you go into short sleeve blouses. And then after that, long sleeve blouses. Have pants all together, skirts together, dresses together, etc. And each category, I always color code them so they are easy to find. So basically, what once again, what we do often is we start with the shorter items to the left, and we would start with like sleeveless blouses, and then short sleeve blouses, then long sleeve blouses, then we tend to go into, you can also have pants, skirts, and dresses, and um, they're always color coded. So put your colors together. So all the blues together, all the greens together, etc. So that's number two. Number three is asked by Lise as well. And she says, my sewing room is overwhelmed with fabric, different textures, various colors, plain, printed, etc. What is the best way to organize the fabric? And I have to be honest here, I am not a sewer and I don't have a sewing room in my home, but we do help others who do. And I have staff members that have sewing rooms, so they actually are better at organizing fabric and items than I am. So we are actually just finishing up with a client right now who is, has a sewing business and has an amazing sewing room. Her problem was that she was not being as productive as she wanted to because she didn't know the best way to store her fabric and other supplies. You can actually view pictures of our staff working in her amazing sewing room on our Facebook group, Organized for Success, and I'll post a link to that in the show notes. And I also plan on getting those pictures up onto my website under one of the blogs that's coming up. So once again, if you want to see those pictures, hop onto our Facebook group, Organized for Success. You'll see some of the pictures there. And um, if you're not on Facebook, I will have them on my website under a blog in the next couple of weeks. So basically what the staff did was they created a system that worked best for our client. They put all like items together, put items that she used regularly close by, and they folded the fabric using fabric boards. And they also had all the fabric standing up. So it looked like you're going into a fabric store. And of course, they arranged them by color. So for example, they put all the plain pink fabric together and beside the plain pink fabric they also put pink printed fabric so all the pink is together whether it's you know started off with plain and then goes into uh, printed fabric so that's what they did with the fabric all like items together and colors coordinated it so that they're all in a row it looks really nice they also made everything as visual as possible so it was easy for our client to just grab what she needed when she needs it. Okay, so that's number three. Number four, Jen asked, how are you trained? Is there any overseeing bodies such as a law society? That is a great question. There is no overseeing body for professional organizers at this time. Anyone can decide they want to be a professional home organizers and they don't really have to even have any credentials. However, I would recommend all professional organizers have training. There are associated associations that represent professional organizers that are membership based and have training. So in Canada, we have what is called the professional organizers in Canada. In the States, there is NAPO, which is the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. And you can also take courses with the Institute of Challenging Disorganization. So those are 
the ones that um, I recommend. And there's many online courses of home organizing that you can take with various companies, but I don't know how good they are because I can only speak to what I've taken. So, you know, there's all kinds of other companies that have these programs that you can take online and get a, you know, a certificate from, but I really, I'm not, I'm not sure how good they are because like I said, I haven't used them myself, so I really don't know. But I can tell you what my credentials are. So, okay, so what I think has contributed to my knowledge and understanding of those who have clutter or hoarding is that I have a degree in sociology with an emphasis in psychology. I also have certificates in ADHD, chronic disorganization, time management and productivity, and those ones were all, those certificates were all taken with the Institute of Challenges, Challenging Disorganization, also known as ICD. I have also taken many courses with professional organizers in Canada. That's another reference is POC. And I have a certificate in senior move management. But that's not all. <laughs> I am also a certified professional organizer. And to obtain this certificate, I had to have 1,500 hours of working experience working one-on-one -on -one with a client in a home or office organizing before I was even qualified to take the exam. So it's an accredited certificate that is held uh, with NAPO, and uh, it's actually a really good certificate to have if you want to become a professional organizer. So that's my credentials. Um, and in a nutshell, that's all my credentials. Okay, so let's go on now to number five. Michelle asks, what are the steps to getting organized? Is it one, get rid of garbage, two, sort, three, declutter, four, like with like, and five, put away? So, Michelle, you're very close. The first step is to grab a garbage bin, recycle bins, and bring it to the room that you're going to start organizing. The next step is to sort. So let's take, for example, that you're organizing a junk drawer. You take everything out and start sorting. And when you are sorting, you're putting like items with like items. So you're putting all the batteries together, all the pens together, all paper together, etc. And while you're sorting and putting like items together, if you find garbage or recyclables, put them in the garbage and recycle bin right away. You brought them with you, they're right next to you, just put them in the garbage right away. If you find items that don't belong in that drawer, then you put it aside to be put into the proper homes. Okay, so that's the uh, step of sorting. After the sorting is done, it's now time to declutter. Now, mind you, when you went through things in the, and you put them in the garbage, you were decluttering then as well. But this step is really where you decide what to keep and what not to. Now that it is sorted, it is easier for you to see what you have. For example, you have 15 pens. Do you really need 15 pens? If not, let it go. So after the sorting is done, the next step is to declutter and really just go through everything that you have sorted and decide if you need to keep them all. And if you have too many of one type of item, then it may be time to let it go. The last step is putting everything away organized. When organizing, sometimes organizing products can come in really handy. So, for example, when we talk about drunk, uh, I just said drunk drawer, but I meant junk drawer. Um, the drawer organizers come in handy. 
So it is an easy way to keep like items contained in one area. It is also much easier for you to put things away because you have a spot for it, a home. You know when you open that drawer that there is a spot in the drawer organizer that is home for your pens, for example. So once again, when you're organizing an area, sometimes organizing products come in handy. If you're doing a drunk a junk drawer, then be sure to use drawer organizers. And that way you can keep things contained and they don't slide around as much. Okay, so that was number five. Number six, Kathy asks, what should I do with all my photo and photo albums? I have so many. Okay, Kathy, you come from a generation like I do. So if you listeners come from a generation of having a ton of photos and photo albums, I suggest that you start by taking the photos out of the photo albums and let go of any that are blurry, that are duplicate, have people in them that you don't remember anymore, or you have people in there you don't like anymore. Let them all go. Because at one time we took a lot of photos and you could buy duplicates for like a buck or something like that. And so we ended up with a lot of photos. So get rid of those ones that you really don't need anymore and keep your favorites. So let go of those blurry, let go of those ones that you don't really care for the people in them anymore or you don't remember them, let them all go. When it comes to storing your photos, if you have a lot of photo albums and it's taking up too much space in your home, let the albums go as well. Store your photos in a photo box or a photo container, um, or you can scan them to your computer. Some people still like to be able to pick up those photos though and look at them. So scanning may not work for them, but if you're not like that, then scan away. If you are the type that likes to keep your photos uh, handy and not scan them, you want the hard copy, then a great photo organizers are available. There's lots of them actually, and they can store hundreds of photos and they take up very little space. I recommend the plastic case that holds individual small plastic containers that fit four by six photos. In one small container, it holds about 100 photos and it takes up very little room. And so what happens is you put them in these little plastic containers and the case actually comes in two different sizes and they hold those containers. So one case you can buy and it holds eight of those containers and the other size is 16 containers. So, and once again, those containers each can hold at least 100 photos. So that means, and it, it's a small to medium sized carry case, it has a handle and everything. You can actually have up to 1,600 photos in this one carry case, which would be tons of photo albums, which would take up so much room. The only thing is that when storing photos, it is best to use acid-free boxes. So I wouldn't recommend using these plastic cases I mentioned for heritage type photos that are really old but they are good for those four by six photos that we bought back in the day. I think they should be fine actually, because I've had mine in there for years and I, it, there hasn't been any problem with my photos at all. But those heritage photos, once again, I don't think I would put them in there because they really should probably be in the acid-free um, photo cases. So I will put a link to the photo storage case in the show notes in case you are wondering what it looks like and you haven't seen them. I'll put a link to it 
Um, I'll just probably put the link to Amazon because it's easy for you to order one if you wanted to. Um, there are other photo storage options that are available as well. I don't have time to go through it all today, but if you probably just Google photo storage, you're gonna find different options that are available. Okay, so that was number six, and we're on to number seven. My mother passed away and I ended up with all her stuff. What do I do with it? The first thing I would do is start sorting through the boxes and deciding if you wanna keep the items or let them go. When deciding on what to keep and what not to, take into consideration, do I love this item? Would I display this item? Don't focus on the memory of the item as much as if you like it or not. In other words, don't focus on, oh, my mother made this for me when I was a child. The memory does not have to go away, but the item might have to go away because you can't keep everything. So because we usually can't keep everything when someone passes it down to us, I would recommend instead maybe taking a picture of that item instead so you can look at it and remember the time your mother made you that item, for example, and, and then you can let the item go if you don't want to display it. Having items sitting in a box in your basement is not doing any good. If it can be donatable, then let someone else use it instead of it just sitting in a box in a basement. So once again, go through your items, make sure that there's, you know, that if you're keeping something that you're going to display it or you're going to something you really love, uh, definitely keep some of your items that your mom or your loved one gave you when they passed away, but maybe not boxes full of stuff that you, when you have all that stuff, let a lot of it go and just keep those few that are really, really um, special to you. If there's a lot of items and you think they could be sold, then you can have an estate sale or an online auction. Online auctions are actually quite popular right now. Normally you need about 40 lots to have a sale. So a dresser would be a lot and three small pictures could be a lot. Max Sold has uh, online auctions and they're actually quite popular these days. If you have a couple of items and you think they may be unique and maybe antique, then you can reach out to an antique dealer and ask them if they would be interested in purchasing the items. Often they ask you just to send a picture to them with the details about the items and they will let you know if it's antique and if, there is, uh, if they're interested in buying it or not. You could also have appraisals done on items if you feel that there's value to it. There is normally a cost though associated with appraisals, so you wanna make sure that, you know, if you're paying for these appraisals, that they are mostly valuable. Okay, so that's the seven top questions that I've been asked lately. Before I sign off, I just wanna quickly mention that if you're interested in having a coaching call or a VIP day with me so we can schedule in um, your organizing goals and how to make those goals come to life, shoot me an email and we, I will schedule you a free 15-minute call to see if we are a good fit for each other. So once again, if you're interested in a VIP day or some coaching calls with me, uh, feel free to shoot me an email and I will um, schedule a time for us to chat for maybe 15, 20 minutes and see if we're a good fit for each other. No cost for that uh, quick consultation call. Okay, I look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, let's get organized.